play and does the most laid back, beautifully chosen music that I could dare compete with. He's a he's an, an alchemist. Tony, look forward to seeing you next Saturday morning at quarter to eight. Could you enjoy the show? Frank Murphy, Slongafoil, is to it out. Listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football.
Good morning, WA. I'm Sean Kelly and I'll be with you for the next two hours with the World Football Programme. Thanks to Frank and Jerry, another wonderful uh, Celtic Ramblings. Had me rocking there with Amelda May and then finished off with Dire Straits. I don't know what they're on this morning, but keep taking it, boys. <laughs> um, no, great to rock out to to some of those, those sounds. Um, joining me in the studio today is Pete Skeeler. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Sean. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm magnificent now. I've just been bopping away there to the <laughs> music and, yeah, loving the, the great morning. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a fantastic morning and, you know, anyone out there, make use of the bright weather today, I think, is the... Oh, there'll be a, one, be a wonderful morning for round 10 of the NPL and round 8 of the uh, State League. Yep, looking um, forward to it. Yeah, I don't know what rounds it would have been in the amateurs because <laughs> they didn't release the fixtures. But, um, yeah, a very, very different year for us all. Okay, joining us today will be Comrade McKelvey from Redbacks and also from the Women's State League. He's been to the State League meeting this week, so hopefully... I have some idea what sort of season the ladies will be playing this year, and I imagine that will be the blueprint for everybody else, but we'll see what Comrade says. Um, followed up with Gerhard Janssen from UWA Ned- Nedlands, um, state league side, been around for a while. Um, be interesting to see what they're doing over there as far as training goes, and there's a lot of talk in the state league about what sort of season we're going to have, whether it's going to be a full season, promotion, relegation, half season, with or without promotion, relegation, prize money, all those other things. And, you know, when you look at it from a, a business perspective, um, we're looking to, with a semi-pro league where some players do get paid, mm-hmm. like it or not, they do, um, committing to a season of expenditure with no income because a lot of these clubs have had sponsors go, um, obviously no no ticket money coming in, no bar, no canteen. Um, very difficult to run on that business model, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we'll talk to Blaine Treadgold. Ten months ago, um, or sorry, yeah, ten months ago, a year ago maybe, yeah. um, we were all cheering the off glory at Optus, on. cheering yeah. on the glory, hoping for a win, dashed at the last minute. But, you know, look, at the end of the day, great evening out. And who would have thought that ten months later – the coronavirus would have kicked in, the A-Leagues in tatters, the Champions League um, uh, challenged by the glory yeah, yeah. is in, in tatters. We had one game. Yeah. One away game. One away that. game, yeah. Well, we had one home game cancelled. We had one yeah. away game. Um, the whole world has just crashed around us. And then you look at uh, people like Blaine who very active fan, um, you know, how does it? How does that compute to someone like him when we're, we've got fanless games? And then, what is the future for the active fan? What is the, what is a socially distanced shed going to look like oh. or feel like? <laughs> I don't think there is such a thing. There can't be. Yeah. No, no. And and it'll be interesting to see what Blaine's perspective on that is. And we were just talking beforehand about how. Um, at the moment, we're all talking about this season, what this season's going to look like, and we're worried about it and going back to normality. But as a, a club administrator, this is also the, the, the time of year that we would start to look towards the following season. We haven't even got this season bedded down. And mm. um, it's quite highly likely that in six to eight months, we may still be in this position. Yep. And we yep. may be looking through a night series that's without players, or not without players, without fans, and then uh, looking towards a season that's much the same as this one. I don't know how we're going to survive it all, but anyway, we'll talk about that. Now, we were going to talk to Jake Shorter. Yep. 
Unfortunately, Jake's had to take his little girl to the doctors, um, so he won't be coming with us uh, with today. So, unfortunately, he's dropped out. And unless someone wants to give me a call and say I'm in, <laughs> um, it'll be me and Pete talking about the Bundesliga and the um, Belarusian Belarusian league, yeah, and the the mighty sluts. Let's yeah, slip down a couple of spots on the table, but still. Yeah, no, Energetic had a hand in that. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, local news. Um, I read in the paper this morning that the A-League are looking to give players an 80% pay cut yep. as the FFA keep the majority of the um, 12 million they got from the uh, – the TV payments from Foxtel, and there'll be about a $2 million kitty to be shared between the the A-League clubs. Mm. And this is this is on top of talking about a hub like some of the other sports have been doing. So they're talking about going to Queensland or New South Wales to play out the rest of the season, possibly in August, which is which is stra- a strange time to, to finish the league anyway because that's normally – normally the A-League clubs are already into their pre-season for the following season by then. Yeah. So – well, the other thing is you, you're now going to ask these players to go and play in a hub away from their, their homes and families. Yeah. And, by the way, you're going to take an 80, 80% haircut. Yeah. You know? I mean, we've all got to take a haircut now. I, I get that. But um, 80% is going to be the difference between life and death with some of these guys. They're just going to go, now. Nah, you know what? I've got a trade as a, as a lawyer or a plumber or electrician. I'm going to go do that. Yep. So we could say what you're saying is we could see very different squads making up the teams for the rest of the season. Oh, I think so. Yeah, well, we've already lost um, one from the Glory Squad who's gone back to Holland, um, Greg Woodtrick. Okay. Oh, yes, I did say yeah. something about that. Yes. Um, so that's us, and we don't know about the others, but there'll be lots of people making those choices. Yeah. And then when you look at what's happening in other sports, the Aussie rules, there's a number of players going, playing in a hub doesn't suit me. I don't want to be away from my wife and new baby and all the other things. Um, so I think, you know, we've got those those issues to come. Yes, yes. On, I mean, crisis opportunity, depending how you look at it, maybe it gives a chance for a few young players to um, step up who weren't earning that much anyway, if you know what I mean. We're talking sort of youth players to, to step yeah, up and have a crack. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, look, and that may well be the case, but um, it still doesn't bode well for the league. Oh, and then these, these kids are going to, you know, they're living their dream in front of an empty stand um, no one cheering them on, and yeah. the people like Tony still having to shell out money yeah. with no possible hope of the income. And although uh, there hasn't been an awful lot on on the interwebs about it, but there are a lot of people who, like me, have paid um, their membership fee to the Glory, and I, I even bought the um, the Champions League I, membership. As did I. <clears throat> and um, you know. Generally, we accept that we we followed the club for this year, and and that's fine. Yeah. But again, as I said before, if we're looking towards what does the new season look like the following year, and if the following year is a season behind closed doors, no fans. Well, well yeah, the, you're not going to buy a membership, are you? Who's going to buy yeah. a membership? That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, or if you do, is your membership going to be minus the um, seat component? Yeah. Yeah. You Which know, I always assume is the bulk of the membership, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it is the bulk of the membership, but the, at the same time, I still think we need to have something, and the club hasn't put anything out, and I imagine they're not putting anything out because they don't know themselves. So yep. I'm, not, I'm not having a crack at Tony or anyone about this, but um, until they know what the future is, we don't know what the future is. Um, and, you know, the Champions League, 
Who knows what that's going to look like? <laughs> do do we? No, but do Glory get to compete in the next one because they they didn't compete in this one? To be honest, as no one did in this round, or or yeah. do we go at the end of the season? Whoever finishes, I don't know. There's, I can just see legal challenges all over the place. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Um, yeah. So a very uncertain future for everybody. I don't know where we're going to go from here on in. Um, I can only hope that. You know, some sensible heads prevail, and we we come out the other end of it with with some certainty of where we're going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, legally, there is the the force majeure argument, which sort of cancelled out cancels out contracts um, due to uh, circumstances beyond either party's control or mm. you know reasonably foreseeable by oh, them. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you'd kind of hope, and I know maybe I'm being optimistic, you'd kind of hope the whole legal challenge thing and we're going to get the lawyers involved because we can't play in the Champions League or because we don't get promoted from State League 2 or whatever. Yeah. You'd kind of hope. I'm being naively optimistic here. I know that. Yeah, no, look. But, Forget it and do over, you know. But. Yeah, it, it just it just leaves all these things open. But as I said, for this season, pretty much this season is completely munted because of what's happened. <laughs> can you say that word on radio? Of course I can. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it is. and it's been, No one knows where we're at. So, yeah, yeah, what you're talking about legal challenge-wise for this year is fine. But next year, yeah. and as I said, from, from an administrative point of view, Next year is the issue. Um, who knows where the FFA, Football West, or any of the other bodies will be this time next year? Yeah. So you know we're we're talking about Football West are fighting for their survival. I see on the, again on the internet yesterday confirmed at least one person with high profile was made redundant. Mm. Um, the information I have is that a number of people within Football West have been culled, and most of those names would be familiar to us. Yep. I'm not going to go through who they were, but, um, you know, they've had to shed a lot of their expenditure yep. um, at the cost of people. It's not great. No. But, no. you know, they've, they've got to do what they need to do to survive. And we'll, we'll talk about that with Comrade and other people as we go through today. So we're going to go some some messages. We'll be back after this break with Comrade McKelvey. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to what we saw right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. 
we have the first Sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. One hundred seven point nine FM, your local station. So, and we're back on now. There we go. So, we've had the uh, Bundesliga has resumed as mentioned. So we'll run through the results from there for anyone who uh, wants to follow the German league. Um, no disrespect to the Belarusian league, but we're finally up with a you know one of the tier one leagues in in Europe. So coming in from last weekend, Borussia Dortmund had a 4-0 win over Schalke. Red Bull Leipzig had a one-all draw with Sporting Club Freiburg. TSG 1899 Hoffenheim lost 3-0 at home to Hertha Berlin. Fortuna Dusseldorf had a nil-all draw with SC Paderborn. FC Augsburg lost 1-0 at home to VfL Wolfsburg. Uh, my boys, Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, lost, unfortunately, 1-3 at home against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, FC Köln had a 2-0 draw with FCV Mainz, who are Frank- Frankfurt's uh, rivals. Uh, FC Union Berlin lost 2-0 at home to Bayern Munich. And then Werder Bremen lost 1-4 at home against Bayer Leverkusen. So that was last weekend's results. And Sean's looking yeah, at me. No, you, you, are the, you are the Les Murray of the World Football Programme <laughs> with those pronunciations, mate. You're doing really well. Um, yeah, look, we rather, uh, well... Hurriedly got hold of Comrade, who um, has agreed to be on the show this morning. Comrade McKelvey, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you going? Good. Um, how are the Redbacks coping through the, the, the COVID crisis and yourself, obviously? Uh, well, I suppose, you know, from day one, we, um, we've got uh, some of our coaching staff, um, they put in some plans for players to whilst they were unable to train. So things that they could do while they were worried by themselves. Yeah. Obviously, some have, some haven't. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, we made sure we kept in touch with all the players, make sure they were okay. Um, a bit more work for the coaches to do, but, you know, I suppose hopefully we hope that'll pay off mm. yeah, when abs- we get back into doing so, Absolutely. You so know, you've been back training for a couple of weeks, though, with the, the non-contact, no sharing, no... No fun. Yeah. So as soon as we were allowed to, and as soon as the council, and I suppose we're a little bit lucky in that our council has been fairly good with um, letting us get back into training with restrictions. But um, mm-hmm. I know some councils haven't. So uh, as soon as we could do that, because we've been in touch with quite a few of the players, they were, you know, they jumped on board straight away. I think they were raring to go. So um, that's been really good. So what sort of caveats did the, the council mm-hmm. put on you? Um, I think initially they said it was... I know that Football West had given their own um, yeah. uh, you know, guidelines as to how many players and areas of the pitch and 
the councils are a lot more strict than they were only allowing, I think it was 10 in that first week, only 10 on one pitch, one one full pitch area. Yep. So you know, we've got two pitches down at our um, training ground, so we could play put one team on one pitch, one on the other, and then I suppose a week later they said, oh, okay, you get have 20 per pitch, mm. which were a lot tighter restrictions than what Football West had given mm. clubs. Oh, um, we, we had to put a, so, yeah. a, a COVID plan together. So for ours, we've got a, to have a separate entry, a separate exit for the players that are training. Um and they, there has to be a gap between each training group. Um, all the equipment has to be cleaned in between them. Uh, we had to put in a very yeah. comprehensive COVID plan before we could even even get the agreements yeah. of the council to train. So I'm just trying to put in, in what the there is. And then obviously the coaches and um, the backroom staff are, uh, have to make all those records because the council may want to come back if there's any contact tracing to be done. Yeah, so we let the club deal with, you know, putting all the uh, COVID plan in place and we just, you know, make sure that we stuck to it so that players yeah. are not mm. socially distancing that. We're not using the change rooms. You know, players aren't hanging out in the changes beforehand. Um, you know, they get in if they need to use the changes, get changed, get out. You know, we don't put our bags together. We don't, you know, we're trying to avoid all the things that, you know, would, I suppose, lead a little bit to players congregating together. I mean, players... Generally, especially the younger players, don't really pay attention. So you've got to be on your toes a little bit. Um, yeah, I, st- I stopped sure off for a, I stopped off for a coffee on the way in, and there was a, a couple of young ladies who, obviously, from one of the local clubs, and they were certainly not social distancing. But there you go. That's no. that's players for you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play football, right? So we, as, as coaches, put a bit of more of an onus on us. Yeah, absolutely. Sure we're we're doing more. And I think players and, and a lot of parents don't understand the onus that's been put upon the, the coaches and the club's administrators to, to just get them back. I know that players just want to play, yeah. but they, they don't understand some of the other things that go on behind it. As far as your club oh, goes, ha, have you been affected by um, people losing their jobs, or businesses, um, sponsors pulling out because they're no longer able to commit? Um. We're not as reliant on sponsors um, as some other clubs. Uh, we, you know, well, there's been coaches and players alike who've been put out, of, I wouldn't say lost their jobs, but not able to, to uh, you know, make as much money as they would normally yep. um, for their livelihoods. So, you know, we've, we, you know, we try and make sure we're, you know, helping those players out or you know, make sure we're chatting they're okay. Most of them, Seem to be in an okay situation. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a lot of younger players who live at home, so um, you know, that sort of you know, that sort of makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, I think now the last week or so, you know, some of the players who weren't working, are, you know, start to go back into work and, and their jobs are starting to, to ramp up again. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, during the week you, you had a women's standing league committee meeting. How did that go? Did you get a blueprint for the future out of that? Um, yeah, so I think for the most part, football has, you know, obviously want to make sure clubs are on board and, and that, you know, uh, what they're proposing to do and go forward with uh, will work with what, you know, I suppose the clubs and the standing committees we didn't really have an issue with anything that was brought up. We know it's going to be a shortened season. You know, it would have been, I think, three rounds of seven games. 
um, to make 21 games, and you know we're probably we're definitely going to be reduced down to maybe two rounds and, and finals. Um, so you know those are things that you know we're not really going to complain about at the standing committee because it's just the only way you can go forward and get a season finished before um, the end of the year. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and I think you know uh, anyone who who thinks they're going to have a a full season of uh, you know twenty games with um, no restrictions is is kidding themselves. Mm. Is is not going to be a normal season. No, and you know I suppose as well it's like um, the added effect of being the first season of uh, the women's NPL. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff was done in the lead up to get clubs prepared, rules put in place, and and. Some of those will have to change. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing things like transfer windows will be adjusted because what's the point of having a transfer window in the middle of a 14-week season? So yeah. Um, yeah. I think Football West will come out with whatever changes they've made to that. Um, and now yeah. I suppose there's other things around that the cost of the league. I know when I talk to some of the amateur players around the place, um, there's a lot of people who are bulking at the thought of paying full um, fees for a half season, um, particularly those that are struggling for a quid. Um, have you had much feedback in, in that regard from your players? Well, or? you know, we we had most of our players paid up and registered for the first team. Yeah. Uh, first team in the reserves or under 23s. Um, so, no, not really. Um, from the junior point of view, absolutely. I can see parents walking out, you know, paying, depending on what your club is, between $300 and $500 yep. for the general junior fees. You know, they're going to be saying, why are we only playing, yeah. you know, 12, 14 games and I'm paying the same amount? Um, so, we. You know, we've had a few queries, but nothing major as of yet. So we've just got to play it by ear. You yeah. know, there are players who've said that they're not playing because the season's shorter from from the juniors, and we've just got to find replacements or just reshuffle our players to different teams to make sure that they um that we can field teams. So mm. just and I suppose the thing is that ear. there's a lot of people who are waiting to know what. It's going ahead, and I know yeah. Football West have asked people to to nominate how many teams they're putting in. But you know, when when you start making those calls, people go, "Well, what sort of season is it going to be? What's the cost going yeah. to be?" And you can't answer those questions. So it's a <laughs> it's a cart and horse situation for most clubs. Um, I think a lot of parents are, are in struggle street. I know there's been a few asking for refunds already, um, and whether or not they play this season could could be down to dollars. The, the other aspect yeah. is that you've got volunteers who themselves are um, either looking for work or when they do get back to work, the pressure is going to be on them to work and maybe football's their, their second interest and not their primary interest at that time. Um, yep. You've got players who are going to have to make the choice between working and playing. Uh, there's a whole range of things that we haven't factored in yet. Oh, look, it's, you know, I, I agree with you completely and... We don't really know the effect because some people are saying, yeah, I want to play. You know, people are indicating that. You know, and you're thinking you've got a full junior team to put on the park or a metro team or whatever. But, you know, that was brought up at the standing committee meeting. It's like, yeah. what happens with teams? Size, you know, it, it could happen to any team. You lose three or four players, you know, you can't feel the team anymore. So, you know, and then also, 
know, looking even further forward, we hope we hope nothing happens with any outbreaks. But if you have a team that has an outbreak, what happens to that team? Do they yeah? Do you pull them out of the league? Do they lose all their points? You know, do anybody else who played them have to pull out of the league? I don't know. Um, and that's what they've got to come forward with a, a really clear. All very good questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We want to we want to play, but at the same time, it's like you know. Yeah, You're and going to have people up in arms if there's no fair way forward for these contingencies. No. And then the other thing that's not clear, and I don't know what your council's doing about your training fees for using the facility, um, you know, but at the moment you're probably still thinking you've got to pay for them. Yeah. You've got um, other expenditures that are coming out, and I don't know, some of the WNPL sides have been talking about having players who, who they're actually paying to play. Um, you know, if you've, if you've got all of that expenditure, so you've got the referees' fees, you've got players that you've got to pay, you've got um, council fees that you've got to pay, you've got zero expenditure, uh, zero income because you, you don't have any ability to run a canteen or a bar or, yeah. or fundraising like quiz nights during the year. And I know most clubs, comrade, the junior fees do not cover 100% what it costs to put that kid on the park. And you're totally reliant on the canteen to or the, the, the quiz nights to, to pay for trophies, kits, etc. So, you know, it's a we're, we're in a very, very tight financial era. And I think in some cases... Some clubs co- competing could drive them to the wall. Mm. We, we've always been a club that's tried not to rely on things like canteen money and sponsorship. And that will probably change going forward because as you go into MPL, that sort of stuff probably is going to be a large component yep. going forward so that you can compete. But in the past, you know, women's, uh, women's Premier League in the past hasn't required as big an amount of... Uh, Finances to run. Mm. I know there are clubs that have you know, gone forward, have joined the league, and they're and they're big clubs that are reliant on yep. you know, people frequenting the venues. And I know there are some councils who refuse to even open, um, just, you know, the, the facilities for football clubs. Yep. To, you know, they have big venues. They can put a lot of people in there. They can get people in the bar after games. That, that's going to be taken away from uh, from clubs, and, and that's going to be a, a big strain on. Clubs, especially those reliance on, you know, I suppose if you've got players on professional contracts or you're, or you're pay, paying you know, coaching staff, you know, can you retain them all if you can't pay them? Mm. Um, mm. It's going to be a lot of questions. And then this is a lot of unknowns at the moment, Yeah, uh, unfortunately, for, for where we're going. We'll only see it when everybody gets back on the park, um, what state every team's going to be in. Um, Who's still around? Who's still coaching? Who's still playing? We just don't. And I know they've, you know, even in the standing committee, it was mentioned that, you know, that some clubs have indicated they won't, not at the top level, but in other competitions have indicated they won't, put, they can't put teams in. Mm. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, competitions are going to be impacted. So I suppose we just don't know at the moment. No, and then I suppose the thing is that if you've got a team that's been impacted through, through COVID, and, you know, if you're, depending on what area you're in, if those players then go, look, I'm sorry, but, you know, 18 or, or you know, even half the side decide I can't afford to play football this year. And for a lot of women in particular, that will be a, a, a proper scenario. Um, that team can't compete. Then are they 
um, impacted on that next season. You know, this yeah. season has been completely destroyed um, because of COVID. If they can't register because they just don't, they have to make choices between food and playing football. Um, should that team or club be then penalised the following season by having to start from the bottom grade again? Mm. Well, yeah, I suppose that's that's a very good question, actually, and possibly something that you know we didn't really think of that, but um, that's a very very good question for Football West. It's like you're going to have people who are really put out. Um, what happens to those clubs? Can they jump back in next year? Where maybe they get everything back in order? Yeah, you know, mm. if you promote a club to make numbers in any division, you know, does that club have to get relegated the next season? Mm. You know, back to where they were. Uh, we, you know, there's going to be a lot of issues to sort out. Oh, without a doubt. And I think, you know, we, we talk about Football West. I know that there's been um, massive changes in their employee base this week. Um, they themselves yeah. are, are reliant on player registrations and team nominations for their survival. And if we don't have teams nominating and we don't have players registering, their ability to function is severely restricted. And, you know you can cut it down to a very small group of people working extremely hard, but, you know, everyone's survival's at risk. We talked earlier about the A-League, who, uh, the FFA are now keeping um, a large proportion of the um, Foxtel money. It's not going to be shared amongst the clubs. That then has the impact of asking players to take an 80% reduction. I don't know what that means for the referee's body. Um <laughs> Whether, whether they're going to take a reduction, but th- these are all things that we've got to factor in, you know, and, and A-League clubs are going to struggle. If A-League clubs are struggling, then the development clubs will struggle. If the development clubs are struggling, but, grassroots struggles. You know, a lot of the clubs want to get out of the park and, you know, we're willing to... Oh, look, play... Every, everybody's making compromises. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's been broached with referees, but then, you know, if you're not playing referees, are they going to show up on the weekends? You know, that's... It, it, it's a very, very difficult thing to sort out. Um, yeah. I know that as a club, you know, we're willing to work with whatever Football West put forward. You know, if it's going to be a short season, we'll play the short season. For us, I suppose the key more, more importantly for us is to, to get the, keep the team together, keep them on the park, even if it's a short season. You know, we've been working hard. We've only, we've only missed out on two months in reality. Yes. You know, they're still mm. trained together. They're still... We've had a night nice series. Um, and I, I suppose you know, for, for yourself, comrade, you you're a very well established club within the the, the female leagues. You you're used to competing in that top level with with people that are committed yeah. to to the Redbacks. And for them, you know, they're not they're not there because of the money. They're not there because of anything. They're there because they belong with that club and they and they love the club. Yeah. Um, for yeah. for a new club that's come in and brought in some players on contracts, um, could be a very different prospect. Oh, look, I believe, you know, at least one club's been um, affected by uh, by all the changes and um, the restrictions. Obviously, if you've got players who've come from overseas living here and who've gone back home and you've signed them on a contract, there's nothing you can do. Mm. Uh, you know, you're stuck. And if you're relying on that player to be a you know one of your top players, you know, where are you going to find that replacement? Mm. That's you know, unfortunately, we didn't want that to happen. Um, you, you wanted the, the first the first season of, of an MPL women to be very competitive. But, you know, it looked like a lot of clubs take making big strides compared yeah. to what 
it was in the past. Like, you know, no, no disrespect to the other teams, but, you know, it was at a sort of amateur level um, set up. Absolutely. I think the, the WNPL was a statement of intent to, to, to work yeah. towards a, a semi-professionalisation, if not full professionalisation of that league um, ultimately. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, you're right. Some clubs were making great strides in that area. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to affect clubs, and this will, you know, to be honest, this will probably be more like a dress rehearsal for a proper MPL. It'll be a trial. It'll feel more like a trial run because you know, yeah. not all the players will be available, and um, it won't be a full season. You know, we'll do the best we can, but it's going to be a sprint more than it is a marathon. Yeah. Really, you know, win as many as you can. You know, your goal difference may may make play a big part in. in in the result for the season because it could be so close that it comes down to goal difference. And will there um, be promotion relegation with it? Or not promotion, obviously, with the, with the MPL, but relegation from it on that kind of a season? No. Uh, I believe the original plan for the MPL with the first season was to have no relegation. Um, yeah. So they were planning on that anyway. I don't know if that'll get pushed out another season, but, you know, from the for the most part, um, I know there was probably two or three clubs that missed out on MPL, um, and Football West could easily expand because we've only got eight teams at the moment. Yeah, um, they could quite easily expand to include two new clubs should yeah. they have everything in order and fulfil all the criteria to go into the MPL. Um, that's not stopping people. I know there are clubs that have been very, very successful in the, in the division below, like Southwest Phoenix. Yeah, Armadale have been rising up the ranks. Um, you know, Sterling. I think Sterling Lions entered a team. Yeah, uh, in the state league. I think it's called this year. Yeah, yeah. I think it marries the men's league. Um, so you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of ambitious people there. Mm. Uh, oh, without still eyeing off an MPL spot and wanting to know, you know, can I join the season after? Still, yeah. Uh, where, we don't know though. That's. I think there's not going to there's not going to be relegation, but. Any plans going forward are really going to defend what happens this season. No worries. Look, comrades, thank you very much for your time. Um, I know it's, the answers have raised more questions again, but um, I yeah. think that's, that's indicative of our times. And the more solutions we find, the the, the more problems that creates. So, um, you know, yeah. best of luck for the future. And hopefully we'll, we'll get a season of sorts underway because I know players just want to play. Yeah. But, you know, clubs and administrators have got to look after the, the the business of the club and um, yeah. some, you know, I, th- I read an article during the week, they reckon 10% of clubs could go under this year, which is oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll be really sad for some clubs who've been around for a long time as well, who might find themselves in dire situations. Um, any club really. Yeah. So um, let's hope not. And let's hope something can get on the park. But um, thanks guys. It's been great. No worries. Thank you. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Conrad McKelvey, um, obviously the women's MPL um, first season this year, it was going to be something good, um, and then COVID came along. Well, uh, the one plus side, like you say, was that there was going to be no relegation anyway. So, from 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 the perspective of this specific league, it might just be a pause for a year and then go as they were going to go anyway. Uh, yeah. If everything does restart next year. Yeah, um, well, as, as I you said, say, clubs clubs may fold, and that's 
not a good thing. That's not anything anyone wants to see. Well, this was in general, clubs clubs across the country are, are struggling. Yep. There was an article I read. Um, it's about a hockey club in Queensland, and yep. they were saying that you know, whilst we've we've got all this these COVID funding packages coming in, a lot of them are around infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Now, yep. now, new lights are great. <laughs> yeah, but but unless you can create income. Uh, most clubs are doomed, and I don't know how many clubs have a, a war chest that they can can come out of. I mean, the bigger clubs, um, you know, like Melville and Perth, and that will have money. Yeah. But how many of them are willing just to burn it to to, to play a season? Well, yeah. no, not to stay alive, just to to play a season. Yeah. It's still eating into money that you could have done something else with. Yeah. That's money you could have spent on developing your club, developing your players, developing your facility. Mm. And instead, it's going to get burnt paying referees and, and council fees with no income coming in to replace it. And it's stuff that you would have done normally. Um, most clubs do not make a, a massive profit out of children or even the, the adults. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, very interesting times ahead of us and, and how clubs survive and how the the governing bodies survive. You know, obviously the, the A-League and, and the FFA – um, you know, the FFA are keeping that money. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, we talk about legal challenges. And, and, and how would we feel as West Australians if, if there was an A-League next year uh, yeah. without a Perth glory in it? Yeah. Um, not not through relegation. It'd be one thing if we had promo and relegation in the A-League and mm. glory went down. But if it was just a case of, look, um, you know, money's tight, so we're going to focus everything on, you know, the East Coast where travel expenses are lower. And, and I'm sure we could all think what we'd tell the FFA then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, look, it's, it's more questions than answers. Yeah, and um, you know, no one is is sure of the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you know, we're we're in very very different times. Um, hard to put a positive spin on it, though. You know, <laughs> uh, look, we we spoke earlier. Players just want to play. Um, and I think if you if you'd had an unstructured league, and I know myself when I was seventeen, eighteen. Um, the best football times I had was just we'd walk down to the local park. There'd be anywhere between 20 and 30 people yep. and we'd just split them up into two sides and we'd just play. Yeah. There was no structured league. There was nothing else going on and we took it pretty seriously, to be honest. No, but there was also no PlayStation back then as well. No, there was no PlayStation. <laughs> there, was, there was no internet. There yep. was, yeah, everything was steam-driven back then, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it just comes back to the the whole point that we're we're looking at a very different time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, our next guest coming up is Gerhard Janssen from uh, UWA Division 1. The State League was um, just on the cusp of starting. I, mean, I think we're a week or 10 days away from the season starting when the um, – the COVID crisis kicked in and, again, that just left us in the lurch. Everyone was just about ready, primed, all the players are done pre-season, all ready to go, and then just all stop. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how the the State League sides have gone. Um, I know from my own perspective it's something we've been waiting for for ages, but it's just with the State League, again, with, with a level of semi-professionalism, some players getting paid, some mm. players just playing for the love. But yep. how do you... How does that go? And if we're not playing for promotion relegation, how does that look? If we're not playing a full season, how does that look? And if we're not got any income? It's hard to take it too seriously then, isn't it? 
Well, it is, but there's again a lot of those those players are tradesmen who work Saturday or have work to them yeah. on Saturday morning. Yeah. They offset it by their football payment yeah. payment. Now, if they've got a choice between, you know, spending the morning laying tiles in the new building that their their boss has got the contract for. Yep, and they're getting paid for. And they're getting paid for and then playing football in the afternoon where they're not going to get paid now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, the mathematics doesn't work for people. So we'll talk to Gerhard and see how um, a state league club are looking at that and we'll be back after these messages. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. In 1972, under a scorching June sun, in the French coastal town of Marseille, two Algerian immigrants awaited the birth of their fifth child. Later that day, a star was born. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Call it soccer, call it football. Myself, Peter Skeeler, Penny Tanner, Sean Kelly, Don Evans and Derek Pollock are the voices in your world football team, sharing the news across WA, Australia and the world for the one and only World Game, the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in Karanjap on weekends and the male and female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. Radio, Radio Fremantle, Fremantle 107.9 FM. It's very echoey. Nowhere near your your um, <laughs> your piece. That always blows me away. That one, I love that. And of course, uh, for the boys at West Coast Futsal, they're still not in operation, but I'm very sure they'll, they'll be up and yep. and running soon. So, if you are interested in playing futsal, by all means, contact them and see what they they can do and get your name on a list. Um, Someone else who's very highly involved in, in football is Gerhard Janssen of UWA. Gerhard, good morning. How are you? Fantastic. Good morning and thank you for having me on your show. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, how are you through the through the crisis personally? Personally, yeah. business-wise and uh, uh, private, nothing happened. So early lockdown and so we survived. Yeah, look, I'm pretty much the same as my wife. We're going, what lockdown? This is like it is for us normally, but, you know, we are boring people. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, look, uh, as, a, as a club, how's the, how's the club itself being affected? Obviously, there's, there's been people who are on the um, JobKeeper payment. There are people who've maybe lost jobs, lost businesses, or their businesses are in hibernation. Um, has that affected you greatly? 
of course, the uh, uh, junior and youth department um, is mainly affected because it is uncertain whether um, this player will join us this year. And um, when you when you see that we have more than 1,400 children in, in, in our club, that means a lot of parents are waiting because of their financial situation, but on the other hand as well, because it's unclear when we start. So um, this has a massive impact. As you know, we have a couple of full-time jobs in our club, yep. and they are, of course, in danger. Yeah. So from a, a club perspective, do you have access to your grounds? Are you, are you first team back training? or? Yes, yes. We have access to the ground, and we must say that the university is very good to us. So uh, we have two... Uh, main grounds. This is one is the city of Netherlands, which practically is perfect in the cooperation. They helped us very early. We are on Mont Clermont over, and we have all the juniors uh, back running there uh, with not 100% uh, 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 participation in the first week because the children simply waited a little bit. But I would say 60, 70% of the boys and girls are back. Mm-hmm. That's and in good. the first team, in the first team, uh, uh, state league team. Um, we have full participation, so we uh, we had to restrict because our squads are bigger than yep. 20 and with one or two coaches, we had to restrict it to 18 players because of the 20-person uh, 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 participation rule. And that is practically what we had to do. We had to leave boys home and ask them to rotate in their training sessions. Okay. And as part of that use of the ground, um, did you have to have a COVID plan approved by the council? Absolutely, yes. And I think we had enough time <laughs> yeah. to be prepared. Uh, when you have two months' time, you should be ready uh, when it then finally starts. And we were waiting. We had highly motivated people on the committee. We had highly uh, uh, committed people in the administration. So I think we were quite two, three days later when the regulations were out. We could send it out to Netherlands, to the city of Netherlands, which were lightning quick. We were not surprised because we had developed a good relationship with them over the last years. But, um, yeah, in the end, you are a little bit surprised that with all the stress we got this because I think the city of Netherlands understood how much it means to children, especially to children, uh, because we, we, we put priority on the children, masters later, or, uh, uh, social teams later. Um, and then that worked well. And the union um, was a little bit slower, but equally good. Yeah, yeah. So, have you had many people inquiring for refunds, or um, are they still just hanging on to see what sort of league you, you can compete in? Of course, we had some people who asked for refunds. We had a clear policy from the beginning because, under uh, consumer law, everybody can get this back. But we talked to the people. I think our volunteers do a lot of phone calls speak with the people, explain what plan do we have for next year, how do, if it doesn't work, how do uh, we work with the fees which we have right now. And don't forget, most of our teams already had two to three months of training. It, yes. was, yeah. it was not that, that we had nothing. So our state league teams, women and men, already trained since the first week of January. That was two and a half months of service which we provided before. Um, including friendlies with cost for referees and grounds. So yeah. we, we are discussing with them. But we must be very honest. We we are lucky that the people understand that there is a minimum amount of people always say, no, it doesn't 
uh, work for me this year. Mm. Uh, and, and on the other hand, we developed a pay plan for um, people who just lost jobs. And we have a lot of young people, uni students, who only live off their casual jobs, and they nearly all lost their jobs as waiters and so on. Mm. So what the club did is we changed the sponsor money partly into uh, our general budget and now offer uh, 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 offer pay plans for young players. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, we've had a similar experience and, and the, the biggest component to that is honest communication with, with the parents and, and with the players about where you are, where, where the money that you've had so far has been spent and on you know, as you said a very clear refund policy and i think yeah you know, most people are accepting of that yeah. there's there's a couple of clubs around i know um that are not taking calls not answering emails and and that's not going too well but you know the the responsible clubs and uwa would certainly be up there with that um are doing the right thing and and returning calls talking to people and um as you said just very clearly laying out where they are and where you see yourself in the future. Absolutely. I made a joke during our management committee and say, this is now our loyalty bonus. You know, we don't do trials, but we have a loyalty system yeah. that players who are equally good stay in the first team, stay in the youth team. Our loyalty bonus is paying us right now the biggest interest possible. So yeah. right now, the players who stay for us for years, and they know we are not lying to them, not with football, not with equipment, not with anything. Mm -hmm. It's easier to convince somebody who experienced that we are honest with our management committee. Um, when, when you make up stories all over the years with football, then it is expected that you make up stories now with financials as well. So this, therefore, we are, we are lucky. Of, but of course, in with 1,800 members, there are still people who say, no, it's not possible. And then uh, it is, of course, so that we, we found immediately because, um, yeah, uh, it is hardship for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. And we, not a lot of uh, uh, us experience this in uh, our generation in this way as it is now. No, so, um, this is new for all of us. Yeah. Um, the, going to the, the state league now, um, a number of the state league sides um, do pay players. Um I noticed that the A-League are, are asking players to take a, a cut in wages. Um, is that something that you would do or your players are that committed that you've, you've not been paying them anyway? We're not, we're not playing. And, uh, if anybody... I, I, I read the articles in, in, uh, in Victoria and partly here in, in the West saying we can't play NPL because we can't play our players. Yeah, they then don't pay the player. It's ridiculous mm. anyway. Mm. When somebody trains twice a week <laughs> to pay a player who comes twice a week a little bit for hobby kicking and then whatever we call the league it is still hobby when I'm not uh, training four or five times a week uh, it is very hard to justify uh, so we don't pay the players anyway um, uh, and in this situation when the player would stay in front of me <laughs> when people who are fully employed lose their job in our club and they would ask me for money for their playing Mm. Believe me, that that is not the kind of character UWA wants to have around. No, yeah, no, I agree. Um, so going forward with the the season, what what sort of season do we think we could have? Because I don't think we're going to get a full season. And if we have a partial season, should there be promotion relegation? I think we should 
discuss with the other codes whether we can extend to October. In yeah. case we got, yeah. can go to end of October, we would have a full season. Um, even if part of the rounds must be played like in night series on one ground, yeah. and we go there for Wednesday games or something, we have on top to the weekend, if we start end of June, what I think is more and more likely uh, will happen um, end of June, latest early July, then we have to end of October enough weekends to play 20 rounds or something. Yeah. Mm. So whether, whether we have to give up one, two rounds, uh, 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 two or four rounds per league really doesn't matter because last year we lost Southwest Phoenix and suddenly everybody had two games left. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, nobody complained about that. Uh, um, so I think everything between 22 and 16 should be good for us. But with, be, below 16, I would struggle with promotion and relegation. But everything 16 to 22, we should have a normal relegation yeah. and promotion. But when you only have 10, 10 games, it really makes less and less sense. Yeah, right? I, I guess the argument would be if, if everyone knows before the season actually kicks off that there is relegation, even though it's only a 20-game season or something, then everyone knows. Then, you know, you can't sort of say afterwards, well, we got relegated, but... You know, we didn't I'm know. A, I'm you know, a big it's, fan yeah. of, of uh, promotion and relegation, including A League and, and NPL. Yeah. Uh, um, and I'm always with it. There is a minimum amount where you can call it competition. When you have only eight games or something, you can't call it competition. Yeah. That is not something I can promote. And I cannot justify when you not even play all the teams in your league once. Yes. I'm struggling with this uh, calling uh, 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 in our league, for example, if you don't play Western Knights and Fremantle you probably have a better outcome uh, uh, than others without telling uh, that the other teams are not good, but they are clearly the favorites in our group. Yeah. And uh, if not everybody is facing every team, I struggle with calling it a relegation and promotion team. So one of the the league proposals I've seen is that um, everybody plays each other once and then the, the top six play off for the, for the champion and the bottom six play off um, again to see who's um, in the bottom. Uh, would you be in for that sort of a, an arrangement? Of course. We, we have a special seat if we have to do something special. I think footballers are the most flexible people. Oh, yeah. Everybody mm. who loves the game uh, wants to have a fair outcome. But I think everything, like this model which you just spoke about, this is a, a sportive, competitive model where everybody plays everybody. Of course, everybody can live with that. Yeah. I think as, as soon as it is football, it looks like football is a... Uh, it's a ladder, it's a system where everybody plays fairly and not arbitrary, so not somebody is picking who is playing whom, uh, then UWA will be able to live with this. There's no question about this. No, absolutely. Now, the last time I was out at UWA, there was big, un- ugly concrete lumps going in <laughs> for, for lights. Are, are, are they up? or? Yeah, they are up. We have now 100 looks. We have... Uh, no excuses for bad training anymore. Goalies have no excuses anymore. We have fantastic lights. When you go to our website and to our yeah. Facebook stuff, you see the the lights. The lights are up, uh, and and we use the time as well. We have even a better ground. The people from UWA ground uh, uh, at the sport park did a huge job. We we showed the pictures to a player who did a, a, a online training session with us from England. Uh, Louis Holpi, and they are all uh, impressed when they were on our Zoom call how we look and what we do here with uh, with our thing. They just, and I think he played for Schalke, he played for 
Tottenham and other yeah. clubs. Mm. He said, this is, looks very much like a professional environment. And I said, yeah, we must motivate our coaches more to bring better players out of mm. this condition. So at a, at 100 Lux, you can you could play um, state league games on that. So you could, yeah. you'd, you'd be up for a Wednesday night fixture. Hundred percent, and and we we planned anyway to ask football West if COVID wouldn't have come to have some night games. Yeah, because we yeah. enjoy this. We we think that what uh, 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 Kingsway and uh, Forest Field is doing for years is fantastic for the football. We stretch the day a little bit. We can attract more uh, 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 spectators from other teams to come. Yeah, with the spectators will be a little bit difficult with the new rules. It will be restricted, but um, I think. UWA will generously offer this to the league yeah. to make our league work. When everybody works together, I don't think that will be any problem to play uh, at the grounds where lights are for Wednesday uh, nights or something yeah. like this. Now, the, the situation is changing on a weekly basis, but at the moment, probably looking at playing games where the only people that will be in attendance would be the coaches and officials. Um do you think that, that detracts from the league a bit? I know you, you've not been re, um, reliant on the the gate take, but um, things like the, the bar and the canteen, particularly in juniors, yeah. will, will suffer. I think the junior canteens are always mm. very profitable. But, um, you know, the, to, to commit to a, a season with no income and all expenditure doesn't really make much sense as a business model. Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure. We will find new ways. So we are thinking about uh, a structure of streaming to bring the sponsors in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and we have other things we can do. We neglected over the years because when you have easy solutions like a youth canteen, you focus on the youth canteen. As soon as you say uh, that this uh, uh, income stream is stopped, you start thinking about other stuff. And we're doing this. We opened up an online shop for our uh, uh, for our kids and uh, for uh, merchandise, um, which is already working, um, we could focus during the time. And I think um, we at the club did a little bit our homework to see, um, because it was clear that this would come. So there is no question that it is necessary to to have probably a month or two without spectators. Mm, um, yeah. And and. Um, yeah, then we became a little bit creative, and I'm not really afraid that this will have great impact on the next years for us. And if there is a loss in 2020, I think everybody will ex- uh, understand why. Mm. And then we have to adjust during the next years to to go back to black figures. But um, uh, I don't think really that our our football will be affected. And I think that's the main point of the work of the management committee. Yeah. In the end, uh, uh, whether a bar is not looking that good or anything else is less important for me. It's important that we bring everybody in our club, all members from the uh, Joey Soccers from three years old to the Masters back on the pitch to have training sessions and game sessions. And if this costs a little bit, maybe we have to get go around with a hat and ask for a dollar or two. Yeah. Yep. And people will, will do this because they love the game. Absolutely. Um, now, today would have been round eight of the uh, State League. You'd have been away to Ashfield. Um, always, a, <laughs> always a good fun fixture. Um, you know, just coincidental. But it's, um, you know, 
it's a, the reality of it is that we're already, you know, a third of the way through what our season should be. So it, it is going to change things greatly. Um, as an administrator, your head's already turning towards the 2021 season. And there's no guarantees that the 2021 season will be any different to this model once it's up and running. I agree. Nobody ever went through this. We we cannot predict anything what will happen. We must be prepared for everything. Uh, we spoke with our players. Um, as you know, we don't have visa players. We don't pay anybody from overseas. But we spoke with our players and said, boys, this is exactly what, what, what we told you. You will be loyal here for us. And we are creating this, um, this environment for you. Yeah. And everybody who stays here... Uh, we will adjust to that what happened. In 2021, there will be changes. I'm 100% sure it will not be exactly the same situation which we have right now. And uh, if there is a break of two, three months, I think um, then there will be, oh, I hope, we will start communication between the clubs because that's a little bit poor. So yeah. the communication between us and Football West is good. The communication between us and the uni and the stakeholders is very good. But the communication between the football clubs, State League and NPL, is very poor. Right? I agree. So yeah. if you try to, to get common interest and exchange of uh, uh, experience, um, everybody tries to cook his own soup to have one dollar more than the others. And yeah. that is this kind of secretness and competitiveness is on a small scale football as uh, maximum professional Yeah, it's not helpful. Now, something else is very dear to your heart, and it's very new to me, so I've not really paid much attention to it. But as someone new to the Bundesliga, who do you who do you think I should be following? Schalke. There's no question. There's only one club in the world. Schalke knows here, and uh, yeah, we lost fantastically in our world derby. In the mother of all derbies, we lost four zero, and I'm still crying. But I'm here. <laughs> But I'm wearing my shorts and my uh, shirt right now because it's game weekend, and so I'm preparing for that. And, and how how is Germany faring through through the the COVID crisis in general? Um, you know, obviously football's back as, as the country um, flattened the curve and and solved the issue. Or do you think they're still worried about the second wave? Um, firstly, everybody has to expect by by the nature of the virus the second wave, and mm. but the different. It's hard to compare us here in Western Australia and Australia with Germany. Germany, even during the crisis, never reached uh, 80% of the emergency bed occupied. So we mm. we'd get people from Italy, 900 uh, people uh, uh, in, in emergency beds from Italy, 500 from uh, Spain and France. So Germany has a huge health system, uh, which is very well prepared for catastrophe. It's different to England and to Italy and other countries. So I think we cannot compare the other countries going back to football simply because Germany, even in the highest wave, was never exhausted in their health and mm. an emergency bed system. This is why when I discuss here people who say we must go back to New South Wales, mm, that's not correct. Even even a, a cruise ship can make us uh, struggling with our uh, bed capacity. And yeah. if you can yeah. do simple math, you can compare why Germany could start. Because it was never a danger that somebody purely dies because there are not enough beds. Mm. People died. And uh, too many people died, of course. My parents are 84 years old and 80. My father is still a football coach. 
in, in Germany and had to stop immediately because of his age. Um, but um, it is not comparable. Um, no. And therefore, I think other uh, um, countries in Europe and international football will not be back for a long time, September, October, November. Um, and Germany is simply lucky to have invested in in infrastructure programs for, for hospitals for the last 30 years rather than in other uh, more fancy projects. Mm. So no, so they've done, done extremely well. So... Um I'll declare it now. I'm going to be a Schalke fan from this point <laughs> onwards. So thank you for that, Gerhard. Um, I, 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 I will send you some uh, uh, some articles from our Schalke fan club. Absolutely. Absolutely, I will. No worries. And, uh, look, thank you for being on today. Look forward to, to seeing you out on the grounds when we uh, do actually get to play each other. And uh, best of luck for the season, mate. Thank you for having me on your wonderful show. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Gerhard. Jansen, UWA, Schalke fan. And Schalke's Schalke live fan. on BN Sports. They're, yeah. uh, they're at home against Augsburg uh, this weekend. Uh, we're going to so, crush Augsburg. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. Passionate um, already. I love it. <laughs> no, no, okay. Any bandwagon, I'll jump straight <laughs> on it. Don't you worry about that. Um, we'll be back in a moment with our next guest who is playing Treadgold, and we'll be back after these. I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support, and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Oh, sounds like we're back on air. Um, okay, so joining us in the studio now is Blaine Treadgold of the Far Post Perth. Good morning, Blaine. How are you? G'day, gents. How are we? Yeah, all good. Very well. Um, how are you coping through this um, these very different times? Yeah, we were just speaking off air. and I, I said I don't think I've ever been so productive. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually probably drinking less. I'm up earlier in the morning. Yep. I've, been, I've fixed the gardens. The missus is stoked, you know. <laughs> you've set a, you've set a precedent the, now. That's the problem. Yeah. Is, no, I'm know. getting the credits up for when we can go back to the pub. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, um, talking earlier on, a year ago we were at Optus. We were, you know, looking forward to, to winning the 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 League Cup and all that sort of stuff, taking a toilet seat home and yeah, it didn't happen. But what a great night. We, mm. We'd already qualified for the Champions League. We were looking forward to a, a Champions League campaign. And then 10 months later, it's all just come crashing down and it's very different times. I, I keep saying we need jo- John Safran to go and uh, smear the chicken's blood all over his body <laughs> to try and get rid of this curse that's on this yeah, damn football yeah. club because yeah. – Oh, geez, we can't seem to take a trick. We we do so much. I mean, even just our uh, record in grand finals is shocking. Yep. You know, yeah. Get make our first cha- Champions League. We can't even go and play. And yeah, it's just really, really disappointing. Run oh, away game. And and I suppose the other thing for me is, and um, the primary focus of of our conversation with you is is around the Uber fan. And you know, playing football without a crowd, it, it's 
To me, it just feels wrong. Mm. Yeah, it, it does. But, I mean, we're in, you know, as we keep using this word, unprecedented times. We haven't yeah. seen this before. And yeah. I, I think, um, you know, sometimes you've got to realise that there's bigger things than football. Um, as much as we get all, as much as we get wide up about it. Pete's <laughs> Who are you and what have you done with Blaine? <laughs> I, 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 I know, I know, I know. Even, even you know, a clock, a, even a broken clock's right twice a day. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I think that the, I mean, politically, I think we're doing a very, very good job. Oh. Um, I think that even, uh, I was going to say that fo- uh, football-wise and football leaders, I think we need to be hearing a little bit more from yep. them at the moment. I've, I've been a little bit disappointed with uh, some of the silence that's been coming I've, out. I've been very, very, quiet, very disappointed. You, you talk about how productive you've been over the, this time and obviously household stuff, but mm. really this is this time is where the FFA and other bodies should have been looking towards the future. Rob Sherman, who was the TD, was he resigned. He's raised a whole range of issues. No one's attacking that. I was going to hope, I was hoping to speak to Steve McGarry today, but he wasn't available because he was on that panel of um, people that were looking at what we do for the the new junior development stream. Sure. That's just laid fallow. Everyone's just worried about their own survival right now, mm. and there doesn't seem to be a clear plan communicated about how we go in the future. Um, as I was talking to Gerhard there and, and thinking about this season, no one really knows what next season's like. Mm. The, the A-League are talking about playing in hubs to get this season done, mm. but there's no guarantees that next season we'll have fans in the ground. And, you know, what does that mean for active fans and the the pageant of football? Football alone is not just about the 11 uh, versus 11 on the park. Yeah, mm. of course. There, there is also that tribal element that yep. you get in the stadium and the banter between the two sets of fans, which mm. I think, you know, Given the distance that there is in this country, we we've still done a pretty good job with it, yep. Uh, yep. and particularly glory. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, we were talking. Um, I've been having a look on Twitter the other day, and um, I've been I was quite happy that some of these ex Socceroos players have come on board and they've yep. started to give their views on where they want the game to go. Um, and that's all well and good, but I tell you what, there is still a, a stakeholder in the game that has never been fully consulted as far as I'm aware, and that's the fans. Yeah, mm. um, we've had plenty of lip service, and we've had plenty of Forums, quote unquote. Yep. But I, I, I still struggle to uh, find any um, evidence that the fans have been one hundred percent properly consulted in a in a proper official level. And it, it's funny because with the FFA in the past, their advertising is often focused on the fans, and yeah. you know mm-hmm. that's that's what sets us apart from the other sports. We go back to support. we go back to those issues that we had a yeah. few years ago. The FFA were very very happy to use glossy um, advertisements. You know our. our uh, promoting the the atmosphere that our game's got uh, yep. as unique as it yep. is compared to the other codes, but um, for whatever reason, when it came to backing the fans in terms of uh, proper uh, appeals process, if yep. someone got up to a bit of mischief or whatever else, they weren't. They were yeah. no. But, I, but I think that goes back to the the Thatcherist approach from Britain, where in the eighties, football fans were demonised and, and made responsible for things they weren't. You know, yep. there was there was. Um, a lot of disruption, whether it was in Europe or England, and it, the, the fans were caged in mm. and treated like animals when it wasn't them. Hillsborough yeah. was was blamed yeah. on the yeah. fans, and it wasn't the fans. It was the way the, the emergency services had, had incorrectly managed that situation. Um, so the, the fans were demonised, and, and football fans in particular, even in this country where um, we don't have trouble. I myself have stood in the shed where we've had, you know, 
3,000 people in there and two Sydney fans or two Melbourne mm. fans. Yeah. And, yes, there's some banter, mm. but there's no violence. No one's really giving them a, a, a bad time other than just the, the banter side of it. And, you know, you do that in, in the UK, yeah, maybe it'd be a little bit different. Mm. But here in this country, the fans really do enjoy the – the, the, the play you know mm, yeah. a couple of melbourne fans i remember and they gave back as good as they got <laughs> oh, yeah. when when i went to brisbane there was myself and two others who basically recreated a scene from id where we stood in the middle of their pub and sang glory songs <laughs> with the with the bouncer just shaking his head yeah. <laughs> um but you know that's that's part of what this game is about and this country is so much more developed in in having crowds intermixed and you know we we're not problematic we've had more trouble in the last few years with rugby and Aussie rules yeah. mm-hmm. and some of the really poor behavior that's happened in those which doesn't get half the publicity that we do if if ever a, a fan sneezes on someone, it's front-page news that he's yeah. done it yeah. in a violent way. Yeah, and uh, that's got a bit to do with the kind of influence that those kind of codes have got. Yeah. Andrew Bogut was quite um, vocal about yeah, it when that. he spoke on Optus Sport. Uh, something interesting that I was just going to raise on that point was it was great to see uh, Robbie Cornthway, ex-Socceroo, yep. now working as a sports reporter for Channel 7 Adelaide. Oh. And it's that's what we need is those kind of ex-players and yeah. uh, the I guys totally with agree, a yeah. bit of football now to be yep. kind of moving into those mainstream areas. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, it is starting to happen. Uh, we are the largest participation sport in this country. Um, we need to, and I keep saying this, we need to politicise. The the AFL and other codes get a lot of money from government because they're very good at lobbying. Mm-hmm. But we also need to to mature and grow up as a, as a nation of sportsmen mm. to go, well, hang on a second. Mm. Fair go is the, the Australian way. Yep. And we're not getting a fair go. No. And if you're not going to give us a fair go, we're not going to vote you in. Yep, 100% yep. right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yep. You know, quote Jerry Adams, the, the ballot box and the bomb, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just a bit radical. <laughs> just going back on the leadership yep. that, you know, the bit of a, uh, the I guess the poor response we've kind of had or, um, uh, you know, the poor communication is probably a, a better way to put it from the FFA. I mean, I hope, I really, really do hope that they realise this is a massive opportunity for football and yeah. the A-League to reset and yep. and finally, finally, finally get things right. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, for me, it's a, it's a almost, I'm looking at this whole scenario, not just in football terms, but in overall terms as a, it's a proper economic reset almost. Everyone's yep. going to be brought down to a very, very similar level. Um, costs are going to be down. Um, something that I suggested uh, while well, I asked the question on Twitter was would A-League fans be opposed to their A-League side going back to their relevant MPL competitions for two years, reset, keep the cost down, get everything, you know, debts under control and everything else, and in two years' time for the 2023 season, from a January to a December season, we go full on and that's where starting from promotion and relegation begins. I can almost hear the cries of no coming out from everywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, look, it, I, I, I guess I hear where you're coming from. I think some, somewhere, though, we need a point for these elite players to, to play at. Sure. And I think maybe, you know, the, the A-League retains what it is, but we maybe don't have all the imports come in and make mm. it just completely um, an Aussie league. So, you know, if you haven't already taken the, the oath of allegiance and you're not an Aussie, then unfortunately – you need to go home and we'll we'll just have people who are Australian citizens playing in this league. And if that needs to happen, that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a way no that big I'm thinking about. Player. 
taking the fall yeah. essentially and using it to rebuild. Yeah, and, and finally well, I think get the, the, the phrase systems, not only in in player pathways but club pathways. The, as the well. phrase I've heard is everyone needs to take a haircut. So mm, you yeah. know, I think that's that's part of the issue that we all need to 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 wear some pain. We're yeah. talking about the club membership. Mm. Um, you know, this year's club membership I paid for um, two glory memberships and two um, championship mm. memberships. Yep. They're gone. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. I'm, I'm not looking to get them yeah. back. That's, yeah. that's my donation to the club I love for this mm-hmm. year. Yep. Next year, though, if there, if there is no fan participation, yeah. what does that look like for the clubs? The clubs still need to be able to put out a membership package because yeah. mm. I still will commit to, to the glory. I'm mm-hmm. 100% behind them. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they're going to reinvent themselves. And you're right. We, we do need to look at, cutting costs across mm. the country mm-hmm. and that that will be one of them um flights are gonna be a problem yep. with virgin yep. the way yep. they are so but there's also opportunity because if a new a new entity take over virgin mm. then there's an entity there that we could tap up for sponsorship yep. 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 and i think you know the, the with every disaster there is opportunity and we've got to look at the opportunities if we don't bring in stars aging stars from other leagues, from other countries, mm. then that's a chance for the next 15, 16, 17-year-old superstar to step up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I I can't see uh, a reason why that system that I said wouldn't work. Um, no. I, I think it would be beneficial not only for the clubs, it'll uh, obviously it'll keep the A-League clubs intact as they are. Yep. It'll have them locally. If they can't travel, it won't matter. Yep. But imagine 5,000 Glory fans going to Bayswater and putting all that money over the bar. It's good for everyone. Yeah, yeah it is. But I think, you know, you look at the – we say that, that Glory already have a team in, in the NPL. Oh, it's but, not followed. I mean, this, followed. Proposed, this yeah. proposed thing would yeah. be those yeah, – And then when, when you look at it from a local football perspective, the, the fans that follow the, the Glory A-League side mm. – are from every team. They're from Rockingham. They're from Bayswater. Yeah. They're from Ashfield. They're yeah. from Fremantle. Yeah. Yeah. So to to put them into the state league, I think would dissolve dilute. some dilute some of that that following. A lot of people that are already in other clubs. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when you go there, you see people from all clubs that you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. they're all there. But yeah. no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. In in that proposal you made, um, what would happen if say in twenty thirteen, uh, twenty twenty three, mm. Glory was sitting bottom of the NPL? Would they still? Go back to the A League, or no, no, whoever. So gets it would promoted, be a gets proper rele- yeah. uh, promotion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, uh, I mean, I, I'd I'd put that the salary cap would be very much increased, so yep. more, more yeah. of a free market scenario. Um, so anyone could have a crack at it if you yeah. if you wanted to manage your club yeah. right and have a t- proper tip at the A. Uh, if Gwellup wanted to have a proper tip at the <laughs> A, a- <laughs> League, for- well, they're still sitting top of the NPL. Yeah. They've been there for well, the last two months. Why so. not? Exactly. Yeah. You know why not? Um, yeah, look, it's interesting. And then when you look at the, the disparity between the competition levels in, in the different states, I mean, obviously Melbourne, mm. very, very strong, strong. competition. Yeah. Sydney, almost the same. Um, and then, you know, Perth, because of isolation and everything else, we don't have that, that much competition. Yeah. Adelaide would be very similar. Yeah. Um, so it'd be hard for, for Adelaide and, and for Glory to compete at a similar level. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I, I can see some benefits in what you're saying. Mm. But, yeah, it's um, – Oh, it's food for thought. Yeah, it is food yeah. for thought. No, no, look, I think we're – as you said, this is time to reset the clock and, mm. and think differently and cost is a major, major factor yep. in everything. Um, I just don't know how many memberships Perth Glory would get if they were in the NPL because obviously I'm involved in a club myself yeah. and am I yeah. going to 
Probably not. Um, going back to the glory and the A-League and everything else and, and fans um, in this future, if, they, if we allow fans back into games, um, do you see we're going to have to abide by social distancing? <laughs> and if so, how would that work in the shed? Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't. Wristbands are enough enough of a problem in the shed as they are anyway. Yeah, so. I don't know. You know, yeah. you would you'd have to throw your beer pretty far to get someone <laughs> when they score. <laughs> I actually wasn't a fan of what the Glory have done this season. With the you need to go through Gate One as a shed member to get in, and and even you need. I'm thinking pre- previously we could just walk in any gate. And you lined up at the shed to get your wristband. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, I suppose I didn't, that, I didn't that mind it actually because it, it meant that that big bottleneck at the back of the shed there as you walk in that. That gate, yeah, um, just wasn't there. It was more kind of outside and around the corners. So yeah, it was... but it just means you got to walk all the way around the um, ground from the Badlands but... Tavern to get to Gate One. So. <laughs> but is but is that well, part... one less point? You'll be there on time. <laughs> is that part of the sanitisation though of the the active fan base? Because mm. you know the the early years of, of the shed, yeah. it was it was pretty uncontrolled, pretty oh. unrestricted. It was a it was a great laugh. I know because I was there from season one, yeah. um, and part of that formation of the the glory's culture. Yep. But there seems to be, again, when you look at what's happened with the West Sydney fans and, and other fan bases around the country, there, there seems to be um, a, an opportunity to sanitise or they're trying to, to clean them up. And I think, mm. you know, the, the renegade factor was part of the charm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely it was. And, and that was what drew people in. It was the craziest place to be. The shed was the craziest place to be <laughs> yeah, yeah, on a yeah. Sunday afternoon. I mean, I still remember as a 15, 16-year-old, you know, scooting under the chicken wire that they had at the front <laughs> to yeah. get into the shed. Yeah. I, I used to, to hold it up for my boy so he could get through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you used to get people yeah. standing in the in the big fig trees out yeah. the yeah. back. And yeah, yeah. It was it, the place to be there. Everyone wanted to be there on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And and there was an air of of larrikinism in yeah. there. The you know I had Combutzianus on here the other day, but you know I wasn't going to give his glory shed song, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> that was just again good clean banter. But yeah. you know it tied into some personal aspects of his life. But yeah. it was great the just the just the amount of wags in there that would come up with something, and then if you had enough bodies around you, you could make that happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fantastic. Uh, good time, and it's still, that element still exists in a certain. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think I, I will take your point that it's probably been gentrified a fair bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gentrified—that's the word yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, and you know yourself, you've you've had problems when uh, we had the the Chelsea game. Um, mm-hmm. There was yeah. a lot of negotiation between yourself and the the venue yeah. around what was going to happen, and and then when people started to complain that the the seat that they bought had obscured views because people were standing up. Mm. Cheering, singing, good God forbid, waving flags, <laughs> and then you know beating drums and and just they, general hooligan behaviour. Yeah. yeah, just general <laughs> hooligan behaviour. But but the, but in, a, in an area where when you bought those tickets, you were warned that that was going to happen, mm. yeah. and they moved you. Oh yeah, one hundred percent right. And um, uh, this isn't this isn't an issue that's um, just uh, exclusive to Perth. We've had issues no. like this for the Socceroos yeah. and everything else around Australia. Absolutely. Um, and had to go through relevant channels. Um, and the disappointing thing about that day at Chelsea was we went through the proper channels. Yeah, we, yeah. We got all the boxes ticked and we did everything that we were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they still weren't happy with us. And, <laughs> and then for that wonderful sort of night 12 months ago, it seemed to have been cured. Yeah, yeah. It, it was amazing how much um, how, how much things changed. And, yeah. you know, people learn and yep. I guess if people in that those management positions weren't used to that football crowd, um, I take my hat off for them for... 
uh, rectifying it for yep. future yep. events. Yep. Uh, I think maybe with the glory, you, you had more of a a crowd that were knowing what they were signing up for. The Chelsea brings in a whole load of yeah. tourists and yeah. people that are yeah. there because it's Chelsea, yeah. whereas the glory tends to be more of a, a homegrown support system. Which is really disappointing, the mentality <laughs> of that. Um, you know, we talk about Euro snobs and, and, and this and that, and you could probably go on all day why there isn't more of a connection mm. between football fans, quote-unquote, and the A-League in yeah. this country. Mm. Um, I've always been, I don't know whether it's just me, but I've always just... Love football. I mean, I'll go yeah. down and watch the local under nines play. You know, because yeah. it's football. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't get the the whole. Uh, oh, look, I've, I've got mates who like who don't have Manchester accents, who are, are died in the wall Manchester fans, mm. and and there is no other club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I I was uh, born in Southend. Southend are my home team. Um, Lee Ramblers, I played for. I love them. Um, West Ham United were my. English mm. Premier League side. Um, I've now got Energetic in <laughs> Belarusia. And, and as of today, I've now got Schalke. I was wondering and, if you could remember who it was you'd said you were. Oh, I remember was, everyone. Yeah. I'm commi- if I commit, I commit 100%, mate. That's it. Just ask the missus. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the, the thing is, I, I say I can appreciate the football at a number of levels, mm, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. as much as people go, oh, State League is crap, oh, it's no good. Mm. I love watching State League. Yep. I love watching, as you said, the kids play. I like nothing better mm. than to go down and watch our juniors compete in yep. whatever league they're in, yep. because the the looks on those kid face, those kids' faces, they're they're not caught up in winning leagues and and being a successful player or anything else. Mm. They're just in the moment. But it's yeah. also the the community and it's the culture yeah. yes. and everything to go down there with a mate and have a beer and have a bit of a you know yeah. Uh, you know, shoot the breeze kind of thing, um, and that's probably what the COVID's hurt the most is the fact that even if we do get the players back on the on the field, mm-hmm. um, if you not if you don't have the spectators, you don't have everyone down there watching. Yeah, it's not really a club then still. Yeah. Well, even when that first game was supposed to go down, that finally got cancelled that Monday, yeah. Monday night that was supposed to go down. We were still going to go down to Rosie O'Grady's and, and watch that. You know, yeah. that, yeah. that yeah. element was still going to be there. Yeah. Um, in a obviously a smaller number, and then obviously it all hit the fan after that. So. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. That is the element that probably people are missing the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's like yourself. You know, you, you've got um, obviously a, a small core of people you're really, really close to. Yeah. You've got a number of people that just are on the periphery of that. Yeah. And then you've got almost every Glory fan who knows who you are. Yeah. And, and you're on nodding terms with most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, whilst you're not a personality um, as such, yeah. but people recognise you. Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think personally. I've got time for just about anyone to yeah, have a yeah. chat about the football and the glory and that kind of thing. Yeah. And everyone's known as mate to me. I, they all know my name, but a lot of, I don't know everyone else's. So yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Mate, yeah. But there, there's a very small group of people you do know yeah. personally yeah. by by name, and That's right. yeah. and that grows as, as you you go through. But yeah. you know yourself and Donna, um, you know, people know you yeah. from mm-hmm. from what you do, not just you know. On the weekends, but through your your own blogs and other yep. things going on, yep. and then your occasional TV appearances. Every now and, and then, yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> well, you are. I mean, as far as glory goes, you're you're one of the Uber fans that they they reach to. Stop, yeah. Sean. You're making me blush, mate. No, <laughs> I think, no, I think you have, you you've got a, you've got up to personality status. Personality, yeah. personality. I like that. You're you're, you're a star, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just wondering how that all this is going to affect us in the future. And you say that, that connectivity that we have, you know, um, the 
it is. It's about those connections that you make, and there are people that I bump into now. And we still talk about going to Brisbane for the final because mm. there are people I recognise yeah. that were there. Yeah, uh, and it's a you know kind of a select group that you feel you're in. Yeah. Um, and it's those those little connections that we're missing, and the social distancing doesn't help. No, it doesn't. Um, and then you think, you know, you, you talk about going to, to Rosie's O'Grady's or the, the Badlands mm. or wherever, but they can be very different. Yeah. Mm. If they can only service 20 or 50 or, you know, yeah. isolated groups, it's, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. And, um, I mean, economically it's not worth some of these places even opening with 20 people. By yeah. the no, it's not. By the time you've employed the chef and the bar staff, that's you're not making any money anyway, so there's no, no point. Um, but I think the whole – I don't think we'll know the impacts economically, socially, everything else for a good 12 to 18 months, yeah. Um, yeah. which is – it's difficult to forecast for. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Um, going back and having a whinge about the communication, I still think it's helpful to be really, really open and transparent and honest about yeah. where the game is at and yeah. what the future plans and, and – Holds essentially. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And another thing's got to work out. If you're going to socially distance the shed, um, you know, do you socially distance the left side out completely and just leave <laughs> the left side in, or or do you leave the left side in there because it's not going to make any difference whether you got one in there or a hundred in there. It's going to be the same <laughs> volume. Ongoing battle. <laughs> ongoing battle. Fifty year war. That one. Oh, yeah. absolutely, it is. It always seems to be that way, though, doesn't it? Yeah, you know? I don't know what it is. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. People just come in for the atmosphere and just don't feel like participating. I'm not really yeah, sure. So they what go it is. to the left side. So they yeah. go to the left side. Yeah. yeah. Always quiet on the left side of the shed. Yeah. But, you know, um, it is a, a, a huge part of the game that, that fan participation. Mm. I, I, I still remember at Brisbane when we were, we were all sat there at the end. And you you could actually hear the the noise of the fans mm. as they progressed through the pitch, mm. get louder and louder mm. until it got to the the goal square, and then yeah. you know it, it was a crescendo. Yeah. We still outsang them, but yeah. you know you could just feel that emotion coming through, and it's yeah. it's something you can't really get across in any other sport. I mean, and we still talk about the stories yeah. from yeah. that particular yeah, oh, yeah. trip. I mean, I, there's one thing that will never leave me till, till the day I die, and that was when we walked from uh, from the city over the bridge there and we had, you know, virtually, jeez, oh, there must have been a 1,000 of us, yeah. almost 500 mm-hmm. to 1,000. Yep. It was really hard to gauge. Um, but all these cafes quickly, you know, ushering their kids inside, <laughs> closing up the shutters. It was like the sheriff. Well, I remember we, we walked up. We walked past the bar that you were in with um, Tony Sage at the time. Yep. It was a whole group of us and one lad ran across the road and the police came across and, and started to do him for jaywalking, which, you know, we're not used to in Perth. Yep. And then about 300 people just did the same thing yep. and they just went, oh, my God, yep. and they let him go. <laughs> yeah. And we were standing there with the lights waiting for the crossing, you know, the lights to change for us so we could cross and there was a fireman up in the fire station yep. and we all started shouting, jump, jump. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then we took over a pub and we yep. just – Walked in and I can remember up on the balcony just the singing and the, all that going on. I remember walking into that pub. I think it was Hotel yeah. LA and there was four Brisbane fans yeah. just quietly sitting there drinking their pints <laughs> and we started following Unfortunately, I think by the time about the 100th person came yeah. in, I've never seen four blokes drink their pints quickly and bugger off. <laughs> Unfortunately, so. I started that chant. I put my flag over, I put my flag over their shirt and told them, this is our pub now. <laughs> and then, you know, we walked walked down the road and in past a shopping centre and there yeah. was a hairdresser's and, as you said, a cafe. And as we were singing the song Everywhere We Go yeah. through through that, 
it was just you, you couldn't even hear yourself say the words. Yeah. It was just so yeah. loud. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, it was a great day. And and just from that moment on, all my memories are, are just fun. Uh, the game itself, you know, Barisha did what he did and yeah. I'll never forgive him. Yeah. But um, the, the whole day was just a great day out. Oh, it was and, fantastic. And, and, and last year, you know, you are saying 12 months ago, that, yeah, that pre-game yeah. at uh, Burswood was yes, brilliant. Yes, that was mental. Um, one, one of the best we've ever, we've ever done mm. in, uh, in honesty, I think. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, look, it was a great day. It started off well in the Canfield and all the mm. stuff they had outside the stadium. The, the stadium itself was mm. perfect, you know. Yeah. The, the light show, the sound, everything was just brilliant. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's the last great memory of the, the A-League, mm. really. Um, yeah. Because everything else after that has gone downhill. Yeah, it's just, it seems like a blur now, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the yeah. start of this season. I don't even know where we, where, do we, where does Perth sit on the ladder? Fifth? Well, about fifth, I think. Yeah. yeah. Find out. It's been that long since I've had a yeah, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but again, you know, we're looking at it, we're sitting on fifth on the ladder. We, we had an A-League a, a campaign that was going quite well. Yeah. Um, fifth sounds like it's not great, but we weren't that far off the, nah. the top two. Uh, obviously, Sydney were, were way ahead of everybody, but... I think we we're only three points short of Melbourne, um, who were sitting in second. Not a lot in it with with the games that we had to go. So, you know, still there or thereabouts. And I, and I felt confident that if we got into a final series, we could at least make the most of it. And, you know, I was hoping for another away final because I'd love to go <laughs> another away final. Yeah, any, any final would be good right. for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, the away ones just seemed to uh, – they. I don't know what it is about away finals and away games, but you just seem to have a bit more of a buzz to it. I think you know. I was at the Elephant Wheelbarrow for that one, so oh. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Apparently, there was a riot at the Ellie. Yeah. Apparently, I walked through the middle of it as the game had finished. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, I was. I was. Shall we say, drinking nervously. Yeah. As opposed to drinking to enjoy it. So yeah. by the time the game finished, yeah. I just sort of walked out. The that blur was it. And, yeah. yeah. No, no, and it is. You're right. Is that there is a different feel mm. when you go away to yeah. to those trips? There, there is a different feel about the game, and yeah. the anticipation levels are completely different. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. it's a very, very different uh, feeling. And it's it's nice to walk through a, a city where you're you're not the only team. Yeah, mm. and to to be completely different and identifiable. You know, yep. you get asked all the sort of stupid questions. Did you fly here? No, we walked. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> And uh, yeah, look, it was it was good fun, but you know, all of that's going to change, and yeah. I, I don't know how we do that. I I, I have and I, I take on board what you're saying about the plan and the costs mm. of going back, but I think if we if we lose that the national mm. le- top league, yeah, it's going to be very different. I think maybe what we do need to do is is to restructure that top league so it's not as. Um, Expensive and, and maybe that's one of the, the things that we can do is not to have foreign players in. Mm. Um, I noticed that you talk about the the ex Socceroos that have had an opinion. Mm. Um, a lot of them are saying bring in some more sides, so bring mm. in another four sides. That's mm. not going to reduce cost. No, no, no. I guess what it, what it would do too if you open up this promotion relegation to an open market scenario, I think yep. you would find that the connection between the state league clubs and the A League. Would actually, I think people would take more of an interest in the A League when it's possibly their club that could they can get up there. have a clear yeah. pathway oh, yeah. to get up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, and I think you know, there's there's a couple of clubs in Perth that would certainly see themselves as being more than capable of competing mm. and challenging Glory for the A League spot. Mm. Mm. So it's not as if it'd be theirs to hand over. And I know Adelaide would be the same. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, then the, yeah, there's Leeds teams in, and Metro Stars and all those kind of sides. Lots yeah. of teams in Melbourne yeah. who who, yeah. who were the the NSL powerhouses who yeah. would go, yeah, you know what, we can do that as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, as I said, I, I I think it's got merit to even even yeah. look at it and try and suss it out. And I suppose that let's talk about a national second division. We've needed a national second mm. division for a long time. Yeah, um, and I think you know. Again, very difficult to do with, with the amount of distance there is, but mm. the opportunities we have with a, another carrier maybe mm. in the in the offing um, to re- reduce some of those costs. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I, I think that second division is going to be put on hold yeah, totally it has now. to be now. It's, yeah. it's just not viable. Um, but, you know, as I said, I, I really do hope that, the powers that be are looking at this as a situation, and the, the possibilities are really endless if there yeah. if there is a plan put in place with yeah. proper procedures. And going back to the the Socceroos that have um, been talking about what's mm. going on and, yeah. and where they've been, um, obviously some of them have been involved in football mm. locally and helping out with clubs and coaching and, and commentating yeah. and what have you. And then you've got Mark Viduka who's mm-hmm. been in Croatia running a coffee shop yeah. Yeah. and has not once in the time he's been out of the game bought into what's going on in Australia till now. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And you wonder why now, why what's brought these kind of guys mm. back. There was even an article yesterday that Lucas Neal started yes. to have a bit yeah. more contact yep. with the guys after, you know, uh, Vatuka came out and he publicly said that he um, he thought Lucas Neal undermined his captaincy at the 2007 World Cup. Yeah. Uh, sorry, at 2007 Asian Cup. Now, I was yep. at that Asian Cup yeah. and that was an absolute travesty of a tournament. Yeah. Uh, we were seeing staff and all kinds of yeah. shenanigans going on. I'm not going to name names and everything yeah. else like that. But um, basically up to, up to no good and, mm. you know, and there was a the proof was in the pudding when we got beaten by Iraq and yeah. done in the semis in Hanoi yeah. uh, by Japan. Yeah. I know, look, and I think the whilst as much as they've been good contributors on the park, some of them have been very quiet in those mm. years. And, and mm, Lucas yeah. Neal's another one who's yeah. who's not been involved in the game in that time and mm. all of a sudden a chip in as an expert is to me a little bit difficult. Mm. Um when you look at what Rob Sherman said when when he left, um the problems that he had was the the individuals and the the clubs that were looking for their own self-preservation the politics within mm. the game mm. and the the when we talk about costs he couldn't see why we had to replicate the FFA in every single state mm. with a with a CEO and other staff on hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. when it could all be administered from a central area yeah, with I'm, I'm, with the the administrative hub just being an administrative body mm. it didn't didn't necessarily need a CEO and um, all of the mechanisms of a big business to reduce costs. And uh, and when you look at what's happened with Football West lately, they've separated themselves from a, a number of employees to mm. reduce their costs. Yeah. So maybe that model is starting to come in and forced on us by COVID. Mm. But there's, for me, there is no now clear development line other than the NPL, which we all understand and know is broken. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, just on those costs, I think it was Benita Merciadas, um, the ex uh, FFA uh, staffer. She's actually written on those costs, uh, yeah. and there's actually some pretty staggering numbers mm. uh, that come out. I think that's on Football Today, Pete. Yeah, um, but um, it was really, really interesting, and I, I think that there's merit that we need to look at starting to get 
Um, definitely, if, if not getting rid of the state federations, definitely downsizing. No, no, well, and that's what he's saying. He wasn't saying get rid of them, but mm. what he was saying was they do not need to replicate a, CE, a CEO in every no, state. Yeah, and they a board just, and everything They else. basically yeah. need an office manager mm. and you've got people that run your fixtures, mm-hmm. you've got your coaching um, staff that run the coaching for the referees and yep. coaching clinics within your state. Yep. Um, and now with the MPL model, do we really need to be looking at um, state coaches mm. and, you know, a, a state coaching prospect. If we've got individual clubs who are all running their own academies yeah. mm-hmm. and people like Perth Glory mm-hmm. and UWA and Perth have all done it very well, yeah. um, do you need then to have a separate training body that's run by the governing body? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and all of those then reduce all those costs down because we, we are, as we say, fed from the, the grass upwards and yeah. not the other way around. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, couple that with better lobbying of government. I would rather spend the money we spend on CEOs across the country mm. on a lobby group yep. that were able to lobby government and, and create more funding that they then could trickle down. Yeah, well, you'd like to think that the, the, the new board that's come in only in the last kind of what, 12 months yeah. um, has this power. I mean, that's what, surely that's what they're putting these that's positions to do. That's what the point of it do. was, yeah. And then I suppose when you look at it, the the A-League separation is, I think, beneficial. Mm. It's just now really in their hands what they do. The the Foxtel deal is obviously now something that's fallen through Mm -hmm. and this is probably the worst time you could ever lose a broadcast deal. But it's also a great opportunity, and we talk about the opportunities that arise, for the the A-League to go, you know what, there's a lot of people like, Garby and a few other mm. journalists who are no longer working. How about we get these guys, put them on our pay, pay yeah. scale. We we build a product yeah. mm-hmm. um, which we then on sell to the uh, the streaming services or yeah. to the TV free to air. Mm. But we offer a package which they pay us for. I think that's got merit, and a lot of people have been screaming in hell and saying, "Oh, let's put it on Optus. Let's put it on Optus." Optus don't have a production arm. No, yeah. But what, but what I'm saying else. is, we so we have really we that. have a production arm mm. and we sell to yep. Optus. Uh, yeah. I think that's a I think that's a brilliant model. Yeah, yeah. or Netflix or any one of yeah. the other streaming services mm-hmm. who are becoming bigger players within the system. Even yeah. even Foxtel and uh, having a streaming service that they're introducing as yeah. well. Yeah. Um. Because a lot of people are, are opting out of that stuff. You yeah. know, I'm looking at my. My fox tell thinking, why am I paying for a sports package which doesn't support football and in any way, shape, or form? Mm, yeah. And I'm not that interested in the other sports. Yeah, I got rid of KO. The yeah. only yeah. thing I was watching yeah. on KO was being sports and the A League, and yep. there's, there's yeah. none of that. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So these these are all things we've got to consider as we go forward. But I would like to see the A League get hold of some of these people because you know, you imagine if you got someone like Simon Hill, mm. um, who was your in charge of your, your production, yep. um, he would have the, the, all the contacts. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you know, you can in each state you can employ cameramen. There, yeah. ev- everyone yeah. is yeah. freelancing, and you can just bring them in. Exactly right. The Someone equipment, like Murray Shaw, ex Foxtel producer. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. absolutely. Awesome. So you could do all of that, and then uh, I think uh, the NBA did that yep. Uh, yep. in America, yep. and and that's probably their biggest money spinner. Yeah. And then the clubs are in charge of their own product and they, their own promotion. Yeah, I yeah. think that's definitely got merit. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Oh, we've f- fixed that problem yeah. for the FFA. What else have we got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we've, we've also fixed um, the the structure of the – 
of football going yeah, forwards, you right. know, with a, with a central structure that's maybe got state representatives as part of that panel on a Zoom conference. Yeah. You know, there's no reason why they have to be flying over to to a conference. They can all get together in a Zoom conference um, who then administer the entire football across the country and we have a, a coaching model which is uniquely Australian. You know, take your Belgians and your, your Dutch model and your English model and, and just throw it in the bin. Um, we're Aussies. Yeah. We, we take the best from everything. We'll take the, the strength and the power game that the English have, the, the guile of the Argentinians, the skill of the, the, um, the, the Italians, the, the systematic approach of the I Germans. You're going to say the water skills of the Italians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, look, anything. We, we'll take the best from anything and make it uniquely Australian. Yeah. 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 And that's the whole point. Uh, Australian, um, is not, it's not a pedigree. It's a it's a it's a mutt of a culture, but yeah. that's that's yeah. the strength of it. You know mm. that we we take the best from everything, and then we we take on anyone in the world, mm. and and that's what we've got to be. I don't I don't think that running the Dutch model is great. What do we want to do? We want to breed a, a national team that gets to finals and loses them. No, we want to get <laughs> there and win them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we want to do it with some style. We don't want to be, you know, uh, as much as the Germans are very systematic and robotic and, you know, and brilliant, we don't want to be them. We yeah, will, yeah. we want to be a team that entertains and has a laugh along the way. We we want to win games and have a few beers afterwards. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. What are you looking at me for? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the man who's going to be leading the beers charge. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, we, that's true. Yeah, we, you're going to be the person when there's a, when everyone else is brawling, you're just going to walk through the middle of the crowd going, what's going on? <laughs> I'm an Aussie. Done it I before, yeah, yeah. I'm an Aussie. I don't care. <laughs> no, no, I think we, you know it is as you, as you said, Blaine, a, a great opportunity now to to go right. The everything right now is completely shattered and broken. Mm. Let's rebuild it and let's take the best elements of what we've yeah. got. You know, uh, we talked earlier about the the red, white, uh, the red, blue, and black. There's there's troubles that they had that mm. they need to weed out, and, yeah. and we don't need the RBB doing what they did. Yeah. Um, things like flares. I'm I'm not a a huge fan mm. of flares, never have been. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one uh, was at the glory when someone threw one near me and the, the, the smoke coming out of it, I hardly breathe. I don't need mm. to do that again. I don't think there's anything funny about a flare. Mm. They're, they're very dangerous things. But the the passion that they bring is a different yeah. thing. Yeah. When, when you see mm. thousands of people all jumping up and down mm. in unison, and as much as I don't understand the post I don't know why <laughs> you would turn away from the game and jump up and down, but it's, it's a spectacle and it is all part of that rich pageantry of a yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's – we talked about the game to reset, but I think it's a good, fans to, a good chance for fans to reset. I think the fans at times need to have a, have a look at themselves and, and – not only in a behavioural term that you're, yeah. you're maybe uh, mm. suggesting, but this whole, as I said, we'll go back to this snobbery and everything yeah. else and this whinging. There's always someone that, uh, I don't know what it is about football fans, but there's always someone having a whinge about something or taking the mick out of something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I get the frustrations because I've been there m- myself before and, and the frustrations where, uh, that come with me is that we want to try and reinvent the game and reinvent this structure. Yeah. The, the The blueprint... I mean, countries have been playing the game for a hundred years, and the blueprints there. All we've got to do is follow it because it works. Yeah. If it didn't work, it wouldn't have been around for a hundred years. 
Um, but yeah, I think try 150. Oh, but yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, in a in a yeah. modern yeah. kind of term, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good chance for everyone just to have a, a good old reflect and rethink and, and work about where we want to go as a game. And I think maybe what we have done is we, we've lost those core roots of the game. When mm. you go back to the original um, clubs that started up, a lot of them were working men's clubs yeah. or university clubs, and and they all had different ethos. Um, or army teams, you know, Willish yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. So there's there's all these people from a grassroots perspective. Yeah. And I, I imagine what's happened over the last 150 years is we've gone from that to now having individuals who are worth 220 million mm. euros apparently. Yeah. Um, and we've we've kind of lost the what the game is and what it means and mm. what it means to the individuals. Those yeah. those guys that used to support the 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 mill sites mm-hmm. from from UK 150 years ago supported it because that was their town and that yeah. was their their mill. Yeah. And when they brought in players from Scotland who were professionals, they still had to to work in the mill and yeah. live in mm-hmm. the town and yeah. be part of that community. Yeah. And we've lost that community. And the 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 worldwide community now has focused on the top end of town. And you know, we we talked earlier about the the fans. Who don't come from those areas? Mm. Who follow the the big clubs and the yeah 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 the Manchester Uniteds, the Liverpools, the Juve's, mm. Real Madrid yeah. are, are all universal names across the country, but they're they're not your local grassroots club. And that's something yeah. that you'll always struggle to get in a franchise system. Yeah, you, you mm. won't get that sense of ownership, that sense of belonging as much yeah. as with a proper uh, club yeah. structure. Well, I suppose when we look at that, the the German sides, a lot of them are. Um, owner owners collectives mm, they're, yeah, yeah. they're owned by the fans oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well there's one team uh, I think Volkswagen own the the team yeah but the it's the the people who work for Volkswagen who have the shares in the team yeah um and it's you know, they're a huge mm. organization obviously but it gives you more of an ownership and if you if you are able to invest in Perth glory yeah um would you and yeah, yeah. so yeah. The, uh, yeah, I mean, that's. Well, I mean, but with that comes a responsibility. I mean, in a general club scenario, you, if you had a share of the club, you'd have voting rights as well. So yeah, yeah that's right. To, to make it, you know, and that that keeps generally, or it's supposed to keep the, I guess, the balance of power. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a bad way of doing it, and it returns ownership back to the people. Yeah. And and you know, whilst the the majority shareholder, mm. you know, in this case, Mr. Sage, yep. um, would still have the majority say. Mm. He, he would have the people that were genuinely interested mm. in, in the club as the, the other shareholders. And yep. we talk about bringing in people from other countries yep. and, and they're not interested or they're looking at purely from a commercial investment. Yep. Mm. You'd be looking at it for people who are in it for the love of it and, and investing in the love, not in the business. Well, yeah. the, I think the last... Um, um, Count the glory uh, license was about twelve million, was it? Yeah, about twelve million, and even that's yeah. probably overstating it. I'd yeah, say. Who, who, who was that according to? I'm pretty sure Tony Sage came out with that. I'm pretty sure it was twelve, about twelve million for the license. It's hard to think when you think back to say January and you remember yeah, the whole cryptocurrency yeah. thing and <laughs> we were getting sold. I was like, I'd forgotten all about all that, but um, uh, no, no, people haven't forgotten about it. Trust me, no, they haven't. <laughs> Yeah, so look, it, it is lots of things to come about, but I think you know the worst thing we could do with these times is to waste it. Yeah, yeah. And 100%. as you said, right at the very start, the the lack of communication, leadership direction from FFA down has created problems. Mm. Um, at the moment, we 
we've got people who are asked to nominate for leagues they don't know will exist mm. and you know, from a local perspective. Yeah. Um, asking players to commit to a league when they don't know what that league even looks like. Come up with a structure. We we talked to Gerhard earlier. It's a system that gets used in Scotland quite a bit. Mm. You play 12 games and then the league splits into top half and the bottom half and you play off those top half for the the championship and the bottom half to see who gets relegated. It works in other leagues. It is a legal format Mm. and at least everybody plays each other at least once. And it's got some merit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, let's come up with a structure. Let's say, right, this is what you're signing up for. This is what it is. Because at the moment, you've got state league players and NPL players who don't want to commit to a Mickey Mouse league. Yeah, yeah. Um, who all of them want to be promoted, but nobody wants to be relegated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and then again, the the other thing is you're committing to. Uh, playing in a league where you're guaranteed expenditure but not guaranteed income. Yeah, yeah, no, 100% right, 100% yeah. right. Just a quick just a quick one. I'm not sure if you guys have already discussed it this morning, but the latest on the promotion and relegation into the Premier League? Anything on that? No, I haven't. we haven't discussed Last that. Last I've heard, no. and I'm pretty happy about this, was that if they don't go ahead, they'll use a uh, theoretical scenario based on games played and won yeah. okay. um, for promotion and relegation. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Leeds, yeah, the way go. that they're going, Leeds is going to go up. So Liverpool's going to win the trophy. Yep. yep. Leeds are going to go up. Terrible year for the Man United fans. Yes. <laughs> oh, happy days. Look, I, I honestly believe that Leeds, certainly this season, uh, and who's Borough the next team, aren't they? Yeah, West Brom. West Brom. But both those those mm. sides have earned the right to go up. Yeah. Mm. And, and anything that that doesn't allow that to happen is a travesty of justice. Mm. It's very difficult at the bottom of the table when you've got six clubs that are so close together. But, mm. you know, for mine, we've, we've played more than 50% of the season, maybe more than 75% yep. of the mm. season. You draw a line under it now and you go, right, that's it. Yeah, We are where we are. You've got players coming up with COVID in, in clubs in England. Mm. What does that mean? Not for, just for those players, but for those teams. Mm. Are all their teams isolated? Yeah. If three teams are isolated, the league is dead. Yeah, yeah. Put a line under it and go, look, take on whatever challenges you like. Mm. We can beat them. Mm. Um, the quote that Pete made earlier about the legal precedent, that we're, we've played more than 75% of the games, Liverpool champions, bottom three relegated, and the teams in championship upwards are all then accelerated. Well, you wait for a promoted on yeah. unfinished seasons before. But yeah. yeah. But we've done, they've the, done it with uh, other European award. leagues. Mm. The English women have put the line under theirs. They're done. Mm. Premier League, for Scotland. some reason, haven't. Yeah, so yeah. I think you know let's let's close this season out mm. and start working on next season because the longer this one goes on, yeah. the worst, and and probably the same with the A League. Mm. It's playing out of hubs, and and I think the only reason we're playing out of hubs is to fulfil the TV commitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they've paid it now, haven't they? So. Yeah. But that's all we're doing it for. We're not doing it for any other reason. We're not doing it for the fans. We're not doing it for the players. We're doing it for the cash, which now the FFA are saying we're going to keep the majority (laughs) of. So where's the incentive for the clubs and the players are going to take an 80% hit to to go and play in a hub just so we can save the FFA? Yeah. Mind you, the um, grassroots are still under the FFA and the national team. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it, it, it's where where do you go from here? So, yeah, there's, there's lots still to be answered. There's thing every day you can come up with new questions and no answers. Mm. But, you know, look, going forward, I just want to stand in the, or take my seat in the ground and yep. cheer my side on. Yep, and yeah, and have a beer. And Absolutely. Yeah. Have a sing-along. Absolutely. Blaine, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, guys.
Thanks, Blaine. <laughs> All right, we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, Penny will be in next week. Um, Pete and I will – well, I'll be yeah, back we'll the be week back. after and Pete will be somewhere along the line with, with Penny. Um, worth, worth probably mentioning. Yeah. The cup final from the Belarus from Belarusia is yeah. on this weekend as True. well. And it's Bait against Dynamo Brest. And they actually played in the league just recently as well, which uh, was a win to Bait, 3-1. Bait's top of the table, so they're looking down on your boys, Energetic, yeah. who on turn are looking down on my boy Slutsk. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so cup final coming up as well. Absolutely. You can jump onto YouTube and, and get that one streamed. text from a, a listener, um, use something like the Duck with Lewis system that you use in cricket, mm, use that yep. for the EPL to decide who's where. Mm-hmm. Um, won't make a massive difference to Liverpool. They'll still be top. No. Um, and you know, to Leeds, they'd still be promoted. And I think, yeah. you know, you're right. There's, there are other ways that we can, can work it out. Yeah. Anyway, Lenny is going up here for the Joe show, which is on next. Um, and we'll be back soon. Soon. Well, Penny back next week. All right. That's all for me. Thank you very much for listening. Um, see you in the future. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.